You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports Talking Possessed Podcast. I'm Jake Cantu, joined by Boss Diwala. Let's dive into some DePaul men's basketball. All right, right now we have in the studio uh, Lawrence Kramer from the DePaulia. Lawrence, you wrote a column this week about the men's basketball team, about Coach Leto. Uh, here's a quick excerpt from, from your column. <laughs> DePaul should not wait until the end of the season to let Leto go. They should fire him immediately and let an interim coach try to salvage something out of this disappointing season. In the very least, fans deserve to see this team play without him at the helm, holding them back. So, a real fiery column this week for you, uh, calling for Coach Leto's firing. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about how this like culminated and how you ended up calling for this, how you ended up writing this? Yeah, I think it was before that last week. I it was kind of we started thinking about okay, they're they've got two games that week against Xavier at home, obviously, and then Georgetown. So. Two winnable games, if there are any winnable games left for DePaul on the schedule. So it was like, how can we spin this? What's going to be our story this week for the men's team? And against Xavier, it was a disappointing game. They scored only 16 points in the first half, and it was kind of okay. Started thinking, well, uh, this is arguably their worst game of the season, especially at home, kind of a deflating loss. Um, And then they followed that up by going to Georgetown last Saturday where they played an injured Georgetown team. Mark Mac McClung didn't play. Omar Yurtsurin gets injured in the second half. So it's a game that DePaul should have won. They controlled throughout most of it, and then they gave away the lead in the second half. So after that, I was like, okay, one in ten. We've seen enough. Like it's five years in. It's time to call for his firing. And uh, it's basically just you know started cranking it out. You no, know, I kind of had this idea of how I wanted to start out the story. Uh, one of the Albert Einstein quote. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it was just, you know, we've seen enough. Like, from 12-1 and 1 to 13-11, and 11, 1 and 10 in the conference is just not good enough. So um, that's basically what, what my thinking was from that standpoint. And, and we've – you kind of, like, put into words, like, what all the fans are thinking of DePaul. Yeah. I mean, we're all thinking, you know, you're right. It's been too, too long. And it's been the same – same thing that's happened week after week yeah. after week. Aside from the first couple of weeks, where the, you know where they started off so well and played so well, it, but he just sounds like a broken record saying the same thing every week at every press conference after every loss after every game. And I just said after a lot there, but it's true. It's it's the same thing he's saying. Oh, we just got to keep practicing. Oh, you know, and it's 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 the same thing. And it's he, annoying. I love saying executing too. Yeah. I love when he says executing. He's yeah. like the the Jason Garrett of, of basketball, college <laughs> basketball. It's literally the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just at at this point, you know, at fi- it's different if it's like year one, year two, even year three. Like whatever, we can give you time. You're still new to this job, but in year five, we know what you are as a head coach. Um, this is the and the the reason that this column I wrote it right now and at the end of the season was. We saw how they started. They started twelve and one. So we saw the potential of this team, and we know the talent is there, right? Like they've got multiple four-star recruits on the roster, multiple future NBA players, possibly one going in after this year in Paul Reed. And it's just the one thing that's holding them back is their performances late in the games, and it starts with the head coach. Defensively, it's the same mistakes, and offensively, they're still stuck in this '80s mindset where we got to go down low the whole time. He did, he hasn't really recruited shooters like. He's playing with two big guys. I don't think I don't think many teams, NBA or college basketball, play with two traditional bigs who can't really shoot from the perimeter. So it's just a lot of stuff that I mean, at this point, six game losing streak. It's just, you know, you've got to make a change. You can't continue to go 
this same pace and expect a different result. And I don't think he manages the time of players well at yeah. all. And and you've seen that the past couple of games, and it's it's kind of embarrassing how and when he put puts out players. Yeah. And it, it's just a bad overall coach. He's been out coached almost every game. Yeah. Now so timeouts too. Yeah. Terrible. I mean, yeah. It feels like timeouts are called like a minute late every single time. Yeah. And that's just like. Stuff that coaches should, I mean, you feel throughout the game, but you should know that. Like, even as a fan, if we know you should call a timeout, like, it's bad. As a coach, you should know more. Yeah. So. If, if you have a 10-point lead and they hit two threes in a row, it's a, you, know, you, you call a timeout then, right? Yeah, yeah. But he seems to, like, wait, and then you're down two, and then he calls timeout. I, I feel yeah. like it's, after every NBA coach, I feel like, or even in college as well, they call timeouts immediately, yeah, after two scores back-to-back like that. And he's like, "Oh, let's just let's see how the, the flow of the game is going to go now." No, you need to you need to stop the momentum. We know how important timeouts timeouts are. Stop the momentum, change it, figure stuff out. But he has no idea how to handle the bench. He has no idea how to handle these players. And I feel like there's wasted roster spots right now. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to dive into who specifically, <laughs> but there's wasted roster spots right now that he could be using, and he doesn't. And it, it, you've seen it from time to time, the results now. I mean, just off time. I mean, you remember the Providence game yeah. at home? I mean, he, that that terrible mismanagement of the timeouts mm-hmm. late yeah. in the game. They lost by one, right? It was, yeah. a, what, a 67-66? Yeah, something like that. It's pathetic. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the issues with this team, obviously, like, free throw shooting, you can blame on the players. A coach can, you know, it's you can't really handle free throws as a coach. As You can only do so much, but... Uh, the other issues start with the head coach. They start with, like you guys said, lack of timeouts, lack of controlling the game. It's it, The games are, like, scripted at this point. The ball gets off to a big lead. Mm-hmm. They control the game for the most part, and then they kind of go on this down. In, in the middle of the second half, they l- start losing control of the game, and that's when you need to call the timeout to refocus your team, to regroup them. But, no, uh, even in the second scene hall game a couple weeks back when they were up nine, and then Miles Powell scores nine straight points, and Cian Hall takes the lead, and then he calls a timeout. No, you're supposed to call the timeout before that occurs. And then we went to Marquette the following yeah. game, and Marquette started going on a run, and there was no timeout. There was, and again, nothing, no changes made. The same type of mistakes, missed free throws, lack of offensive execution down the stretch. And again, it's different if it's in year one, right? Like, whatever, he's still new to the job. Yeah. But in year five, and especially a coach has been around for a while, these are mistakes good coaches don't make, right? And DePaul has the talent not to be 1-10. in 10. But The coaching disparity between Leto and everyone else, between the ninth and 10 coach, is, is humongous. Like, Leto, probably the ninth best coach right now in, in the conference is Mike Anderson from St. John's. And he severely outcoached Leto twice. They they got destroyed by St. John's, a team that's that just, you know, that's not even that good. So it's... It's a coaching issue. Like, this team mm-hmm. should not be 1-10 in 10 in the Big East. And, like, you can't even bring up, like, underhanded or not have enough no. guys. I mean, look look what Patrick Ewing's yeah. doing. I mean, what, his two two of his best players left because of the scandals earlier in the year? Yeah. And they're still, and they, what they, they did, they did yeah. what to DePaul, what they did last week? I mean, come on. No. They have four conference wins. They have 14 overall wins, I believe, on the season. And they lost four players midseason. They've been without Mac McClung for multiple games. They might be without their starting center going forward. I mean, like, and it's just... A game that DePaul, with their talent, should win, but it's just mismanagement from the coach's point of view that cost them another another win. They should have, they should have been St. John's twice. If you're an NCAA tournament team, you don't lose to to the ninth best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you should be Georgetown. That's three extra wins they should have. 
And 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 that's just it's just so frustrating as a fan. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was Marquette. I think that's that was my tipping point. Yeah. Because you, they had such a great defensive performance throughout the whole game. Yeah. Obviously, until the last collapse in the last couple of minutes. But you know, like they put up such a good effort, and that's the team that we saw the first part of the season, and then just mismanagement caused it yeah. to to crumble down. And it's so frustrating as a fan because you know it's there, and it's not like this team is just straight trash, terrible that we've seen previous years, and. The talent's there, and it's just wasted talent that you're never going to get back. Yeah. This this year's wasted yeah. on talent of Paul Reed, Charlie Moore, you know? And the production level's there, and, and, and it's just mismanaged. And that's what's just so frustrating as a fan. I guess, do, do you think there's actually going to be action? Because I'm... <laughs> no, they're, they're, I think... Because his contract expires in, at the end of the season. And I, I don't see him getting fired before the end of the year. If, if there was a game to get rid of him, it would have probably been after Georgetown. You had a mm-hmm. week to prepare for Crane. Like, then, if you're going to make a change... You allow whoever, Tim Anderson, Mark Shrew, whatever, to have a week to kind of coach up the team. But now, like, seven games remaining, including tomorrow's game against Crane, I just don't see them making a change unless, you know, something, something even something worse happens, which I, I mean, at 1 in 10, how can something get any worse for DePaul? But that's the reason I said they should fire him now because there's still a possibility you can make the NIT. Like, you still can salvage something out of this season. I mean, who knows? Like, we've seen stranger things, but who knows if they go on a winning streak and make the NCAA tournament or they go on a winning streak in the Big East tournament. Like, but with Leto, it's not going to happen. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen at this point. We've seen enough. There's enough evidence that he's not the co- the right coach to lead them forward. And it's different if you're, you know, a mid-major, whatever. These results are acceptable. But you're DePaul. You're in Chicago. You're in the Big East. Being the worst team in the conference year in and year out, the laughingstock of the nation – like, you know, at some point you've got to make changes from top to bottom. And I know people want that athletic director to go. But that's a bigger issue. Firing a head coach is much easier at this point of the season than getting the entire staff. And, and and I agree with that there. Like, I I would want him to get fired sooner. Yeah. Right. right. And don't wait it out to the season. Because, again, you going back to that talent production, it's just waste, wasting yeah. it. And, and you're right, they, they do have a chance to at least make NIT. Yeah. So if they had that opportunity, why not take it and yeah. just get rid of Leto? But knowing DePaul, what are they going to do? They're going to wait the season out. We don't want to have change right now. You know, there's yeah. just special bonds with the, all that blah, blah, blah yeah. stuff. They're, they're going to the pull to us and give us, and it's it's not going to change. Yeah, and it, it at least allows when you do get rid of Leto, because I don't anticipate him coming back next year unless, again, something no. magical happens. Um you at least can see what Tim Anderson has or Merck Shoe. Like, you're probably going to interview one of those guys for the head coaching job if you're going to go looking for a new guy. Obviously, we saw Tim Anderson for three games earlier in the season, but that was against weak competition. Now you can at least see him against Big East Big teams East, yeah. and see what he can do. Why not give him a chance? We, we've Lato has been given five years. If he's not done it now, he's not going to do it in year six or year seven or at the end of the season. So it's just you're wasting the end of the season to possibly save something right now and then look for the future. Um, but again, like you said, it's classic DePaul. You know, yeah. nothing's going to come out of it. Yeah, I mean, lastly, you think we'll get another milestone CBI appearance this year? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you qualify for the CBI. I guess you have to pay to enter. I mean, would the CBI even want a team that's, you know, 2-16, and 3-15? and 15? Last year, they were at least respectable, 7-11. and 11. That's something, you know, you can promote. 1-10 and 10 right now, like, that's pretty bad. That's horrifically bad, even for a team in the Big East. Like, 
So I, I doubt it unless DePaul's like, we'll pay double this time or something. I, um, I think the only way they get in is just, like, the story. Yeah. If it's like, oh, this is such a great team to start. They beat Texas Tech. Yeah. And then to see the collapse now, I think that's the only way they get in. Like, obviously, you're going to pay, but that's it, they would only want it for DePaul, yeah. the story, to see what they would make out of it. Yeah. But I don't. I don't want to be in that. No. Like, I'm not going to cheer for that. <laughs> like, L- last year was all right, but this year I think the, the expectation was so yeah. much higher. Yeah. That CBI would be a, a real letdown. No. Real letdown. At, especially after the non conference where they started 12 and 1. There was real, like, they were so close to just to being ranked. And we were talking about possibly going to the NCAA tournament, which they haven't been in since 2004. Like, those were the real hopes when they entered conference play. And then even after they beat Butler, there was okay, like, now they can go on a little mini run, yeah. and then since then they've lost six straight games, and all of that has disappeared. Like making the NIT would be, you know, miraculous at this point. Like they would have to win in, like three or four more games just to get back into the conversation for that tournament, let alone. So, you know, I CBI like I think at this point it would just be a lot of fans would find it laughable because last year was like okay, you know, you can build off this. There was this well, Loyola made the CBI. They built off it like the other teams have done that, and they've been successful in the future. At DePaul, like it would just be seen as a joke if you if you went to the CBI again. DePaul women's basketball is uh, back in action this weekend at home for their last two home games of the season with Senior Day falling on Sunday against Xavier, and then tonight against the second-best team in the Big East, Butler. DePaul's coming off a uh, road stand on the East Coast at St. John's at Seton Hall. Kelly Campbell playing her last game in her home state of uh, New Jersey. So, good weekend for DePaul. Beat St. John's 71-65. Campbell had an amazing game. 16 rebounds uh, then at Seton Hall. Shante Stonewall, the other senior, you know, really carrying the limelight. She had 24 points in the first half, ended up with 29. A really big win for DePaul. St. John Seton Hall came into the season ranked second and third. St. John second, Seton Hall third uh, in the Big East in that preseason poll. Both of them have been a little underwhelming, but uh, once again, St. John's played DePaul really well. Uh, tonight going up against Butler, uh, a Butler team that since January 1st are 9-1 and one with that one loss coming against DePaul. After losing two seniors last year, uh, we've seen Kristen Spoliar absolutely dominate. She was, what, against DePaul last time, 25 points and 13 rebounds in, in Indianapolis. So it's going to t- be, be a big fight tonight for DePaul. Yeah, the Bulldogs haven't lost since January 4th. That's a, a full month and a, and a week. So definitely going to be a great challenge and a great matchup on peak night. Uh, here at McGrath Phillips Arena. But, yeah, after that uh, crane loss in 63-61 at Wintrust Arena, I call that the the Wintrust Arena curse because of the DePaul men's team. You know, DePaul hasn't skipped a beat at all. Performances, like you said, Morris dropping 30 points. Stonewall scored a career-high 29 points at Scene Hall. And then Kelly Campbell with her second triple-double triple double, excuse me, of her career um, against Providence. So, you know, everyone is contributing. Everyone's doing great. And, and – Again, I feel like we, we say this week after week with this women's team. They're just so talented all around. And you can really see the confidence within them. And, and we've talked about it before as well with comparing last year's team and the previous team to this year's team. 
But, like, they really look like they've taken a step forward. And, I mean, tonight's matchup is a huge test against Butler to, to really show how much farther you are from first and second and, and how much better you are than Butler. So it's going to definitely be a challenge for them. Both teams have been playing very well. But, I mean, DePaul still, you know, in nation, they're ranked number two in scoring at 85 points a game and only second in three-pointers. So they're still a very, very great um, deep team that I, I think it's going to be a great matchup tonight. Yeah, and that first game against against Butler, that was a really it was a really tough game for DePaul. I mean, they won 80-65, but that doesn't do justice to just how, you know, how much they had struggled in that game and how well uh, Butler had played. The first half, uh, the first quarter alone, excuse me, for DePaul, they shot 5 and 19, 26%. Uh and uh, it was only two play like what held and Campbell had more than two points and only Dalman was the only other player to score in that first quarter so Butler gives a couple matchup disadvantages that are really really gonna hurt DePaul uh especially Kristen Spoliar uh who absolutely dominated uh that game uh that that first matchup between these two teams played really well last year when DePaul played against Butler in in Indianapolis and then back at home at the Winterest Arena so It'll be a tough one for DePaul, but I think it's looking good for them. Because, look, you've got the challenge with Butler tonight. Xavier is Xavier's gonna be a, is going to be a—it'll be like eating ice cream. It, it won't be hard. It won't be hard at all. Taking right. candy from a baby. Yeah, it, yeah taking yeah. candy from a baby. You know, it's going to be really easy. It's going to be like a lion fighting a chipmunk. There, it's a no contest. <laughs> it's a no contest. This, this, I'm sorry, Xavier. I'm sorry. But until you can actually bring out a team that can compete, you're not beating DePaul. You're not getting close to beating DePaul. Wow. The, the game at, at, in Cincinnati, two days before the Butler game, DePaul destroyed them. In the third quarter, they went on like a 10-0 run, made it a 20-point game, and they didn't really look back. So I'm expecting another one of those, a good senior day for DePaul. Uh, Stonewall and Campbell will go off. They'll both play really well. They probably won't have to play the whole game, but Coach Bruno will let them play the whole game, or at least a good portion of the game since it's their last one. And then moving forward, it's just normal stuff for DePaul. You know, you, you've, you're ending the season on the road. You've got at, at Georgetown. You've beat Georgetown. Georgetown's having their one of their worst years. Both their, their best two players last year are both gone, Dorothy Adamako and Diana White, both gone. Then you got Villanova, who at one point were second in the conference. Then you and me watched them play uh, Villanova, and DePaul destroyed Villanova at home. And I was rooting for Villanova. Villanova had a very great team last year. But, yeah, DePaul uh, shut that down pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, DePaul said they, they, were, they were not dealing with no, Villanova. No. Villanova had no chance. But, you know, you go on the road, the 21st, 23rd, then uh, March 1st, you've got Marquette in Milwaukee. Be, it'll be a fun game again. It'll, but it'll be a fun one, especially since DePaul hasn't seen Marquette since January yeah. 29th, I believe. So it, they won that game at home, but... It's going to be interesting because Marquette, they're, they're different, especially after losing five seniors last year. A lot of the role players from last year are in starting roles. Yeah. Selena Lott is very good, still a very good player. So that'll be a fun game. But uh, five games left for DePaul. All you've got to do is win out, and you probably keep that four seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. And good chance that on the 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd of March, you're probably going to host a first-round game as well, win that, host a second-round game. And go on the road and see what you can do. See if you can make history. Maybe see if you can make DePaul history and 
get Sweet 16, get Elite 8. And that's what's exciting, and, and hopefully, yeah, and it, it all starts tonight. You know, you win this game, it, it's an easy it's an easy road ahead. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, you kind of mentioned them, but the biggest keys, uh, keeping Christian Spoyar down. She averages 19 points, 7.3 rebounds, and, and she shot um, and scored 25 points and 12 rebounds last time against DePaul. So if you can slow her down, DePaul's huge on turnovers. They average around 22 turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. It's ninth best in the nation. So um, if DePaul settles in, plays their game, um, and beats Butler tonight, they'll have an easy road ahead and an easy schedule, and hopefully we'll be talking about that history that will be made pretty soon. Yeah, and, and you talked about those those turnovers, DePaul. I mean, that it's been a little slow lately forcing turnovers, but, I mean, you said the number – Top ten in the nation, they get they mm-hmm. they generate a bunch of turnovers, and that's how they win games. They can do it against Butler, a team that doesn't have a very good uh, point guard, a very like you know, they're not a very good assist to turnover team. So you can get at Butler quickly and kind of force the ball out of, out of their hands, start forcing turnovers. But if they let Svolyar get into a rhythm early on and they let her get easy shots without forcing turnovers. There's going to be that's, a close that's game. That's when it gets dangerous. Uh-huh. And she's the key to this team, for this Butler team, obviously. If, if she's not running, the rest of the team's not running. No. So, mm-hmm. so, and we know there's a lot of great defensive players that DePaul has, so just look to them to uh, try to get as many turnovers as possible tonight. Yeah. And, of course, size is going to be an issue against Spolier, yeah. but DePaul can make DePaul's up for it, with, it, just, it and with, their, seen... with their speed and their effort, their hustle. I mean, it, it's a lot of just cliche stuff that DePaul does really well, but they're so good at doing it, and other teams just can't keep And up. we've seen bad matchups with DePaul in the paint, and they they manage it. Well, mm-hmm. you just named all of them. It's mm-hmm. As cliche as it sounds, those are the keys to, like, yeah. avoid, you uh-huh. know? Only you can you can surpass all of those, you know? Uh, and so it they'll be fine. They'll be good tonight. Yeah, I, I'm not worried. They have a good chance at 30 wins this year. If they can win their next five, then you end up at 27 and three, and then three games in the Big East tournament, and you're at 30 wins. So and what, a, what a historic way to to go out with Kelly Campbell and Sean yeah. Stonewall. And, and you know, Coach Bruno always talks about it. It's like one of the, the goals. I mean, we t- when we talked to him at the end of last year, it was like you know we wanted to win 30 games, but this year now you've got a, you've three losses at this time in the year. How many teams in the nation have three losses? I mean, you're, DePaul right now ranked 13-13. Maybe two wins this week and a loss by whoever's 12, whoever's 11. Maybe you move up a little bit. But as long as you keep that four-seed, three-seed NCAA tournament, you're fine. As long as you keep that seed, you're fine. You, we want to get home games for the NCAA tournament. We don't want it to be in Portland because we can't go to Portland. <laughs> Well, Charlie can. Charlie can. Charlie can go to Portland. Charlie Bevins can go to Portland, but we can't. No, and and I'm sure you know as uh, the student section got behind, and we do have a great following here for the women's team, but for the men's team, I'm sure it'll start to pour in if DePaul continues to do what they're doing right now uh, and support them. Absolutely. Well, tune in tonight. That Butler game is going to be broadcast live on RadioPaulSports.com or via the Radio Paul app. Uh, it'll be Gina Scioli and myself at 7 p.m. Be sure to tune in. You've been listening to Ready to Paul Sports Talking Possessed Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Anchor FM, Spotify, iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at RDP Sports. Again, this has been Ready to Paul Sports Talking Possessed.